at the end of the service, we told you that this uh, topic today that we're looking at from the book of Proverbs is all about sexual purity. And I'm going to be just blunt right off the bat that I'm not uh, going to be graphic in anything, but I am going to be real. Just in the things that we see in the world and that are affecting us, uh, there is a maturity that's needed as we have this conversation. Um, I'm going to tell you this week, like, I kind of, my heart was just heavy as I was preparing the sermon. Like, it started from just reading the Proverbs about this, about this subject and what happens if I get mixed up in stuff that I really shouldn't be. And so I just felt, first of all, from the text. But then I also just kind of started thinking of different individuals that I've had conversations with. And so I know part of your story. And even if like Jesus has brought you through, like just knowing some of the stories, like my heart went out. Or knowing some of you that with this area of sexual purity, knowing that you've been hurt, but it wasn't your decision. And there are other things that then affected you. And so the hurt that you still feel. So I just kind of felt some of that. Also, just be honest. I know with this area, it's one that sometimes people can have secrets. Like, I don't want people to know things. And so, you know, I'm, I'm doing this in the dark or so people won't know. And so just feeling the weight of all of that as I was preparing this week. So here's my challenge to you. As we are looking through scripture today, if the Holy Spirit is working on your heart, don't let pride stop you from being convicted of sin or from guiding you in what you need to do with that. Because sometimes we can hear something go, yeah, I don't want to do anything with that. And we just kind of push it to the side. So if there's something that you need to do to respond later on, I would encourage you with that. Or if God then needs to use you to encourage somebody else alongside in their walk with this topic, then I would encourage you that way as well. And so let's pray just as we get started today. Father, I just pray that as we are looking into your word, um, God, even in this, this topic that we're looking at just with sexual purity, and it is something that you have designed and you want us to be able to live out in a certain way so that we can experience freedom. And so I pray that I would accurately handle this and speak the words um, that are yours. And God, I pray for ears and hearts just to be opened. And God, that our lives may be just examples of what you've done for us and you continue to do through us. So God, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Most people I know love a campfire. Now, maybe you don't like it when the smoke starts blowing in your face, you know, but a lot of people like sitting around a campfire at night. You know, maybe it's cooler and so you like the warmth. There's something about a hot dog over a campfire than anywhere else. Like it just tastes a little bit better. Um, s'mores are fantastic as you get to, to make those over campfires. And so a lot of people absolutely love being able to have a campfire whenever they can. Some people enjoy having a fire in their house, like in the fireplace. You love just either the feel of it or just the, the look of it. Um, you know, some of you are like the ones I'm going to, you know, chop up all the wood and I'm going to have a fire as often as I can. Some of you are like, yeah, I like fires, but I like being lazy. So I'm going to hit a button and now there's the fire. Okay. And that's who you are. You know, as we're talking about fire, there's other things that maybe you like candlelight. Like you like it when it's a little more dim and you like the smell that comes from it or maybe just even a candlelight dinner and so the ambiance is there. And so you appreciate the fire that is part of the candle. Or maybe uh, some of you really enjoy uh, like using fire to, to set off a firework. Like then you get to see other things and so, but you have to have that fire to set that off. Or you like that fire will warm your water, that you help to drink things or eat things or even the way that we bathe. So therefore it's not freezing water. Fire can be used at the end of like having all this waste. And if we're not just sending something, you know, to the dump, like you can burn these things. Or even agriculturally at the end of a year, sometimes farmers will burn their field to get off any kind of disease and help prepare the land for the following year. There's all these different purposes for fire. And I didn't even mention them all. But if we're not careful around fire, we can be burned. Or if we're not careful and just observant of it, sometimes a fire can cause a house to burn down. 
Or even a very small cigarette butt being thrown out of a window into a dry field can cause these wildfires that have such devastating effects. And you know what? Even after the fire is put out, whatever that is, like you can just step back and you still see the effects of it, whether it's with the land, whether that it's a house that's been burned down, or even yourself, sometimes if we've been burned, there might be a scar. And again, even though there's healing, you still look down and you see the scar because of fire. I tell you all that because as we're talking about sex today, I need to just begin by telling you, sex is something that's good. In fact, sex is very good. I remember one time when we were teaching on purity with middle schoolers, I had this middle school boy before we even started the lesson. He's like, why are we talking about this at church? Like he didn't even want to say the word, but why are we talking about this? Like you realize that God is the one that created all of this, right? But it has become something that can be a little bit awkward to talk about. And I was wondering why that is. Like, why has it become awkward? Like, we even kind of gave you the warning last week. We're talking about this. I think it's because there is a little bit of maturity that we have to have to handle this. But at the same time, if you grew up on a farm, like, you understand the basics of sex pretty early on. In fact, this morning, there was a headline that came across my phone that made me laugh out loud. And it said a family left the zoo because two gorillas started mating. And they're like, nope, that's too much for me. I just kind of had to laugh at that, you know, as we're talking about this. But I think sometimes the reason that this becomes awkward is because the world has taken what God created and they've placed it in the wrong context. And man, we see that all over the place and that creates sometimes this awkwardness of what to talk about. Eventually, it makes it to be a house fire. If we're again just using the fire analogy. And so when I was a youth minister, I would tell students anytime we were talking about this, you will never, ever, ever hear me tell you that sex is a bad thing. Like you will never hear me say those words because God designed it. He designed it to be within the right context of a husband-wife marriage relationship. And one of the things that it is supposed to do is to help bring the husband and wife closer, create this intimacy there. But man, if we're talking about perversions, I mean, we could just list a whole bunch. Like we could start off just talking about affairs, the idea that when I'm married to someone else, then there's a sexual activity that happens outside of that relationship. And that's not the way God designed things. We could talk about premarital sex, the idea that I'm having sex before I'm married. Again, a statistic out that is out there right now is that 77% of millennials, so approximately born between 81 and 96, somewhere in there, are choosing to live with their partner before they're married. You know, you got to kind of try out the car before you buy it. And so there's this idea of this happening within a lot of relationships there, and that's not the way that God designed it at all either. We could talk about people who pay for sex. Yeah, that's not something that God designed. We could talk about how um, people are then choosing to use this sexual activity with someone with the same gender. And that's not just slowly becoming accepted. It's becoming pushed more and more and more in that whole agenda. And that's definitely not something that God designed. If you look at scripture, not Andy's words, but you look at scripture. We could talk about pornography and just how there's not even a second person involved other than the opposite side of a screen or a magazine. And so there's this going on and then maybe what I choose to do with that when I'm alone. Or we could even talk about just the sexual perversion when someone decides I'm going to force myself upon someone else. And all of these are activities that God did not create sexual activity for. And if I'm being honest and I step back, one of the things that also just makes me sad is that most of those things have crept inside the church somewhere. Now, sometimes that means like a church, you know, a, a body of believers and starting to say, you know what, some of these things are okay. Sometimes it creeps in because we let our guard down and we like go, you know what, in this moment, I'm choosing sin over that which God wants me to do. 
And sometimes it creeps in because as I come into the church, like I'm still a fairly new uh, believer, I'm trying to figure this all out. Like the only thing I know is what the church or what the world has told me. And so I don't know any different. So as a church, we need to make sure that we are teaching the truth. So you know what God wants from our lives. And Craig Rochelle says this, he says, if you do what the world does, you will get what the world gets. And so you and I, we're not called to live according to all these worldly perversions of how sexual activity is supposed to be. We are called to live the way that God wants us to. Because again, sex is a very good thing. But again, because of the perversion, sometimes the pendulum has swung and the church has taught on it almost like too much. And this is what I mean. Like in youth group, sometimes there was a time period where it was like almost every lesson was going to be about purity. And you need to know about this. And you need to know about this. And you need to know about this. And there is a spot where we need to make sure we understand what truth is and we need to know what our boundaries are. But sometimes the message that ended up being perceived by people is that sex is a bad thing because of how much they heard this. And so then all of a sudden, maybe I'm choosing to be absent until I get married, and all of a sudden now it's my wedding night and I'm supposed to flip a switch and this is supposed to be something good? Like for some of you, that was not an issue at all. But for some people, like it's really a struggle to go, this is something that is okay. This is something that is God-ordained. I remember an illustration from about three and a half years ago. There was a uh, a preacher who came out with this wood and he like starts building it, you know, into a fire, you know, there in the middle and says, I'm going to start a fire. And kind of the congregation laughs because they're like, he's not really going to start a fire, you know. But he says, the issue is not that I'm starting a fire here on stage. The issue is that there are no parameters to it. Like if I started this fire, then it could, if no one came and put it out, it would just burn down this whole place. That's the issue is that there are no perimeters. And in the exact same way, the passions that you and I have, originally, they're pure. They are given to us by God, but they're supposed to be within parameters. And sometimes the problem happens is because we choose to exercise some of those desires outside of the marriage context. And maybe something that we never imagined, it begins to spread to places that we never intended it to go. And sometimes it burns down a home. Now, I mentioned the word a while ago, but the whole root of all of this is the word intimacy. That you and I, we are created, one, to be known by God and to know him. That is the reason we are created, to be known by God and to know him. But then while we're here, it's also to be known by other people and to be accepted by other people. And so intimacy is this idea of a husband and wife being able to know one another. But sometimes we have then gone to this area because we want to be known by more people. And so sometimes we jump to this spot in some way. The word infatuation when I was watching this sermon, they said, you know what, if you look in the Latin and the root of it, it actually means false fire. And I'm like, whoa, that'll preach. But then like I started looking around and I'm like, I'm like, the problem is it's not true. Like, and I was looking around, I'm like, I don't see that to be true. So then I asked Sam, who's our word guy. I'm like, okay, tell me, is this true? And he's looking around, I was like, I don't see that either. I'm like, ah, because again, I want you to know that everything I say from stage is truthful. So that's not the root word. I was though as great as that would have sounded. But it does mean this. It does mean to make foolish. Man, when I'm involved in infatuation, it causes me to do some foolish things. Man, one of the most foolish things that I could do is to build a fire without any kind of parameters. And so as we've been studying the book of Proverbs, we're reminded that Solomon is telling his son and then anyone else who would listen, do you really want to know how to live the best life? Then listen to wisdom, wisdom again, 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 and in it today, wisdom in how to just be with this sexual area of our lives. And so, if you have your Bibles or your devices, you can open up to Proverbs chapter 2. 
And as you're turning there, I am going to tell you, this sermon has verses that are like the biggest chunks together. Like a lot of times we're looking at one verse and one verse and one verse, but this is kind of written in sections. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read these different sections all at the same time. Like I'm just going to go from one to the next. I'm not doing any commentary. And then we're going to look at it here in just a few moments. But that's what I want you to know. And so we're turning to Proverbs chapter two. And again, he's saying, you need to build the right kind of fire. Like it needs to have the right kind of parameters. You need to have wisdom or else these kind of things can happen. Okay, so here in chapter two, he's just talked about wisdom. So we're gonna go to verses 16 through 19, all right? Chapter two, verses 16 through 19. And here's what Solomon says. He says, again, wisdom, it will save you also from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Now turn over to chapter five. Chapter five, we're gonna read verses three through 20. All right, again, just in this section, and he's talking warnings against adultery. Listen to my words. And so then we pick up with verse three. It says, for the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to the path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich another man's house. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. And you will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. It says, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow into the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? Let's go to chapter 6. Chapter 6, we're going to start at verse 23 and read through 29. It says, For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way of life. Keeping you from the immoral woman, from the smooth tongue of the wayward wife. Do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. For the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread and the adulteress preys upon your very life. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? And so is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. And now just jump down to verse 32. It says, but a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. Whoever does so destroys himself. Blows and disgrace are his lot and his shame will never be wiped away. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not accept any compensation. He will refuse the bribe, however great it is. And then our final text that we're looking at is in chapter 7, 
We're going to start at verse 4 and read the rest of the chapter. It says, Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your kinsmen. They will keep you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words. At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. He was going down the street corner near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading and the dark of night was setting in. And then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I fulfilled my vows. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. And with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deep step, a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. So again and again, it refers to the adulteress, but we could step back and fill in any of those things that we were talking about, sexual perversions. You could fill in any of those things when we're just listening to Solomon talk here. And he said, if you have wisdom, it will keep you away from these things. And so there's two specific warnings that I kind of get from a lot of these things and I want you to hear, and maybe they don't sound too new because of a sermon not too long ago, but the first thing we need to do is you need to guard yourself. Like in this area of just sexual purity, you need to guard yourself. One, guard yourself from her words. Did you hear how it talked about her words quite a bit? That she is seductive, you know, from her lips. Her, it's, it's drips of honey. Talks about how she, her words are smooth. And so what is it in this area of sexual perversion that can sometimes grab you in? You need to guard yourself against those things. Whether it's a person, whether it's things she says, whether it's things on a screen, guard yourselves against those areas. You also need to guard yourself from her actions. I mean, she's there and then she's ready to lead him away. Talks about how she captivates and even just her beauty is all that he focuses on. So even as we're, we're guarding, we need to guard our eyes, making sure that we're not just constantly looking at what may cause us to take steps in an area that we ought not to take steps down. If we're talking about guarding, we should also guard our own mind. There was a section in there that talked about this is what the purpose of sexual activity is. It is to be within your own house. Like it talked about drink from your own sister and it said, don't let your water go out. So this is something that is supposed to be between you and your spouse, not out there for everyone to know about. So even as I'm listening to just this idea of guarding, we need to beware. We need to beware of what is around us so that we don't fall into it. We need to know what our short fuses are. What are the things that maybe sometimes or the moments that cause us maybe to go, okay, I'm in on this, whatever it is. And so that way we make sure that we're not going down those roads. And maybe we just need to remind ourselves what the purpose of this is, that I am growing closer to my spouse. There's an intimacy that is there between the two of us. We need to guard ourselves. Second thing that we need to do 
So we need to guide ourselves. Okay, we need to guide ourselves. You heard words like she lurks. She is crafty. She was out in the open, but then she was bringing them to her private places. A lot of this happened at night when people couldn't see. She says, my husband is gone. You know, no one is home. And so as we're guiding ourselves, we need to guide ourselves to stay away from certain opportunities. So not just guard our hearts, but go, I'm not even going to go there. If my feet might go in a direction that I don't want to, I'm going to guide them in a different direction. So that maybe is a place, that maybe is a person, that maybe is a website, whatever that looks like. But I am not even going to go in those areas. I'm going to guide myself in a different direction. Also, as we're guiding ourselves, we need to guide our eyes and our minds. Now, I get there are certain times that something's just going to be there and you're going to see it because it's right in front of you. But you do have the question of, am I going to continue to look at it? Or am I going to put myself in a place that I know I'm going to be seeing things that I ought not to be seeing? So you can guide your eyes. You can also then guide your mind as to what you dwell on. So something may pop into your mind, but you get to choose. Am I going to continue to think about this or will I not? I remember a video by the Skit Guys a few years ago that we used in youth group. And in it, there's this guy and he's pretending to look at a girl. And he's like, man, she's amazing. And just thinking about her beauty and all this kind of stuff. And so then God pops up, says, uh, what you doing? And he says, man, I am looking at her. She's beautiful and all this. And then he realizes that it's God. And he's like, um, I'm, a, I'm admiring your creation. That's what I'm doing. And God simply looks at him and says, have you thought about looking at trees? In that moment, like he's convicted because he knows this answer that he said, like, yeah, I'm not dwelling on that really, which is pure. And so even this idea, we need to make sure that we are guiding our eyes and our minds where it ought to be. And can I tell you that I've heard some people say, you know what? I know that I'm married, so I can look, but I can't touch. Boy, that's not scriptural. You look at Matthew chapter five and Jesus says, if you lust after someone, you've already committed adultery with them in your heart. And so if your eyes are causing you to sin, gouge them out. If your hand's causing you to sin, cut them off. Like he is saying, this is serious stuff, not to just be kind of, it's not a big deal. And I will tell you, man, it is a lot harder just in our society than it was maybe 25, 30 years ago, even simply because so many of you have one of these. Like you have, you used to have to go and search for this stuff but now it comes to you. And so you continually have to guide yourself away from things. So I've had conversations with students before about what you need to do is delete certain apps because it continues to guide you down places that you don't want to go. And there may even be some good things on that app, but if it is causing you to stumble, get rid of it. I know of people who, if they go on a trip and they're in a hotel room all by themselves, that TV's not being turned on because I don't want to see things that I, don't, that I shouldn't be seeing. And so those are choices that people make. Again, those are tools that ultimately guard the heart. It's a choice that we make. But again, just guiding our hearts, guiding ourselves so that we don't go down certain areas. If we're talking about guiding ourselves, we could also guide ourselves simply to not be the person who lacks judgment. You know, it talked about the simple person. May we be someone that has wisdom and we are aware of what's around us so that we don't fall into certain traps. And I'd also tell you this, we're talking about guiding ourselves. We also need to make sure that we guide ourselves not to being the one who is the adulteress. Because sometimes there are things we can do that then cause other people to stumble. I'm going to talk to guys and girls here in just a moment here. Let me start out with girls. Some of you are going to hate me. That's fine. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Like some of you dress certain times in a way that is not helpful to other people. And again, you're already like, well, guys should know what they're thinking about and all that. I get you. I hear you. They are responsible for their choices, what they're going to do. But sometimes the way that you purposely dress is to be noticed. And you're doing such a way that you're causing other people to stumble. I could also talk to guys though, but it's different. 
okay? Girls are not quite as visually oriented. I mean, okay, so they see some of your underwear, it's not that attractive, okay? So for you instead, though, instead, a lot of times a guy might see a girl when she's feeling kind of down and out. And all of a sudden, he comes alongside and starts speaking to her and helping lifting her up. And he becomes the hero. And in this moment, he actually emotionally seduces her. Whether it was on purpose to begin with or not, he does this. And now there's an intimacy that should not be between those two people. And sometimes then that does lead to something physical as well. You and I, we need to make sure that we're not the one causing someone else to stumble. I think about the movie back in 2008 called Fireproof. Man, if you've never seen it, I'd encourage you. It's a Christian movie, a little bit of cheese, but man, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And along with that movie, like you see this guy, this husband, and his heart is not for his wife because he has been involved with pornography again and again and again, and there's other things too. But then his wife, because of the hurt that's there, she's now being drawn to another guy who is investing in her. And so even when her husband begins to try to make reconcile certain things, she's not interested because she's feeling all this from another person. And so you and I, we need to guide ourselves away from those types of situations. Because if we don't guard ourselves and we don't guide ourselves, did you hear a lot of the things that are gonna happen? It said this, like the words that you heard that were originally great, they're gonna end up bitter and sharp as a sword. How many times has the world's promises not fulfilled what they said they would? You know, it says you're gonna give your best years and your money towards it. How many people have lost so much money in a relationship or an addiction that was not helpful when they looked back on it? Talked about this idea of jealousy and the revenge of others. You know what, sometimes we think about it's just gonna affect us, but it doesn't, it affects other people. This idea even about leaving a mark on yourself. You know, you can't hold a fire without being burned. And so there are things that if you're not guarding yourself, it will hurt you, but not just you. Sometimes you have those conversations with your soon-to-be spouse or whatever, and it's almost like you're throwing fire upon their lap, and then they're having to deal with this as well. And so as we're guarding ourselves, we're guarding the people around us as well when we live the way that God wants us to. It talked about how she's going to prey upon you. It says at the end of your life, you're going to look back and groan in regret. You may even feel shame. Like I was thinking about that word shame now, maybe because of the act itself, but also because the secret's out at some point. And I never meant for it to get there. There are crooked paths that lead to death and the grave, and it mentioned the ox to the slaughter, the deer to the noose, the bird in the cage, that eventually they all die. And unfortunately, there have been so many people that have been brought down by these things. And not just outside the church, but in the church. Nothing. Let me repeat that. Nothing good comes from the uncontrolled fire. And I get, you might even say, well, in the moment, it, like I felt good. You know what? I can roast a marshmallow on a wildfire, but that does not make it good. And so nothing good comes from this fire that has no perimeters. And so, man, some of you, some of you are visiting the wrong websites. You're filling your mind with the wrong types of movies and TV shows and even books that you're reading. And so truth can't win out. The images that are in your head, like Man, the person you're attracted to, you're not quite as attracted to as you once were, but that's because they're competing with figures that are airbrushed. Or some of you, you're in a relationship, you're like, man, our date is like we go out to eat now. Like, it's not quite as fun. Like, but you've been watching like television shows and like he gets to choose between nine different girls and gets the network money to go on all these kind of dates. And so you're like, why isn't it happening in my relationship? And what happens is we just slowly fill our minds with things that are not truth. And we need to make sure that we guard our hearts and we guide ourselves to places that it should go. Can I tell you, some of you are sending the wrong text messages right now, like to people that you should not be saying certain things to other than your spouse. And maybe you even thought that it started innocently, but it's not. 
maybe some of you are involved in um, wrong conversations. And again, maybe it started out just as a friend, but like at this point now, you can't wait to leave the house because then you get to be in the presence of someone else that helps lift you up. And that is not healthy. And some of you may just have this whole sexual activity. There's something going on that just is not of God and you need to stop. Like just bluntly, you need to stop to be able to live the way that God wants you to. Fire, there is absolutely nothing wrong with fire, but it needs to be in the right context. So can I tell you some good news now? (laughs) You know what? We've talked about all these things and the perversion. This sermon is not meant to condemn. It is not meant to condemn. It is meant to convict if there's any kind of sin there that the Holy Spirit is working on saying, you don't want this in your life. I want to free you from this. It is meant to do that. But man, sometimes people hear these type of sermons and shame just comes on them. You know what? Shame is often the reason why sometimes we choose some of these things. So it can't be the answer. It cannot be the answer. Like if shame is the answer, then for two or three days, maybe I stop doing something, but then it comes back again. And so instead, we really do need to hear the good gospel news that, man, when I chose Jesus, he made me new, that I am crucified with Christ, so I no longer live, but he lives inside of me. And anything that happened before I chose him, that is not who I am anymore. That is not my identity. Are there some consequences that I may still have to work through? Yes, but that is not how you are defined. Instead, Jesus said, you are holy. And so then the encouragement would be, let us live lives that look holy. Not just like the world. Let us look differently. In fact, may we even live lives kind of like Ephesians 5, 3 says, that may there be no hint, not even a hint, of sexual immorality in our lives. Can I also tell you, just as we're talking about identity, just for a moment, because statistically speaking, there's a decent number in here that as we talked about sexual purity, there were things that were done to you that you did not choose. And words that I say can't heal you. Like, I understand that. But I also think that you need to hear that anything that was done to you was not your choice, and that is not your identity either. Because sometimes those things start playing in your mind, and you feel like, well, maybe I did do something to deserve this or whatever, or maybe I'm less of a person. Man, that is not the truth at all. So maybe for some of you, that's the healing that you need to hear today. Or for some of you right now, maybe as there is sin still in your life in this area, like the gospel truth is that all we need to do is repent. Like Jesus doesn't say, you need to jump through 21 hoops before I'll I'll forgive you. It's like, you want to come to me? Man, I will forgive you and you will continue to feel my love upon you. And then I will help you to guard your heart. I will help you to guide your heart if you allow me to continually do that. You and I, we don't have to live in this place of shame and defeat, but instead we get to live in a place of grace and freedom. That's where we get to live in. So Brian's going to come out and we're going to sing about that. We're going to sing that we get to sing in this place of grace that none of us deserve. But he said, I want you to experience life both here and forevermore. And so we're going to sing about this amazing grace and that these chains do not have to hold you down. And as I tell you that, we're going to be standing here in just a second. The prayer room is open. Again, if there's some conviction that you're like, I need someone to pray for me, but I don't want everyone else to look. Can I tell you, just put pride aside and go back and pray with someone. If you're like, I don't know who's back there, but I have a friend here. Will you come back with me and pray with me that we might be the body of Christ together? And can I tell you, if you see anyone else going to the prayer room and you even begin to judge them, shame on you because none of us are perfect. May we experience the freedom and the grace that Jesus wants us to have. So will you guys stand as we sing?
How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. The Lord has promised good to me. Word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior. Ransom me, and like a flood, his mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a 